Hey, last time on the Big Bass Podcast, we shared the story of David Lee Hayes and his world record smallmouth bass from, from the Kentucky section of Dale Hollow Lake on July 9th, 1955. Mr. Hayes was trolling a bomber 609 behind his 21-foot cabin cruiser the morning when the big fish struck. Short time later, he stopped by at a marina to get some gas, uh, and the fish was weighed. Not long thereafter, uh, he went to the resort where he and his family were staying, and again, the fish was weighed, and both times it was reportedly just an ounce shy of 12 pounds. The fish made, measured 27 inches in length and 23, or 21 and two-thirds inches in girth. And both times the fish was weighed outside the presence of the angler. David Hayes caught a world record bass, but he never saw it on the scales. When it was weighed the second time at Cedar Hill Resort, Hayes left the fish with the owner and did not see it again until it had been mounted and officially recognized by Field and Stream magazine as a world record. Back then, Field and Stream was the closest thing to an authority on freshwater fishing records, and that lasted until the 1970s. And that's where we left the story in our last episode. But that's not nearly where the story ends by any part of the imagination. Here in part two, we're going to pick up where things left 40 years later in the mid-1990s, when the Hayes smallmouth story takes a wild turn. Welcome to the Big Bass Podcast, the fishing show where size matters. My name is Terry Battisti. And I'm Ken Duke. Our producer and engineer is Nathan Benson. This is the second of our three-part series on David Hayes and his world record smallmouth bass. If you haven't seen part one, we recommend you go back and check it out. Not only does it set the stage for this episode and the next, but there's lots of great video of the late Mr. Hayes telling the story in his own words. You don't want to miss that. And you won't want to miss our next episode of the Hayes Saga, where we bring the story up to the present day and end it by dropping a bombshell that's never been shared before, and that just might shake things up in the smallmouth record book again. Let's get it started, Terry. You know, when we ended things last time, David Hayes had caught an 11-pound, 15-ounce smallmouth bass that had been certified as the world record. Now we're going to fast forward those 40 years to the mid-1990s, and by that time, uh, a number of things had changed. For one, Field and Stream had handed over the freshwater fishing records to the IGFA in 1978. Uh, and for another, the mount of Mr. Hayes' record bass had been restored and repainted by a Chicago taxidermist who didn't get the color quite right. Here's David Hayes holding his mounted bass while being interviewed by Ken and being filmed by Nathan in 2010. And Mr. Hayes, I know that... Uh... So that fish has been repainted, and you're not all that excited about the colors that it bears now. It's a little too green, as I understand. Yes, sir. The fish came daily hollow. The green came to Chicago. <laughs> when was it repainted in Chicago? Oh, Lord. About uh, late 80s or early 90s. It's an amazing well, he fish. He did a beautiful job of mounting it, uh -huh. redoing it. Yes, sir. And there hasn't been anything done to it since. And uh, it's he a, had to do a good job. 
I would think that any taxidermist handling a world record is going to do his very best work. Yeah, well, he was supposed to have been good, except he mounted too many uh, smallmouths from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> he thought they were supposed to be green. Pay attention there, Terry. Notice that Nathan and I were working on the Big Bass Podcast yeah, almost yeah, yeah, 13 yeah, yeah. years before mm -hmm. we launched. We took vacation time to Fishdale Hollow and interview Mr. Hayes, who definitely did not like the paint job that his fish received when it was restored by that Chicago taxidermist. Yeah, by the 1990s, he was about to have a much bigger problem with this fish than the color that it was painted. Yeah, that's right. Uh, a man named Eldon Davis was putting on a big buck show at Livingston Academy where he was the assistant principal. And that was nearby, uh, very close to Dale Hollow Lake in, in Livingston, Tennessee. And to help draw a crowd, uh, Elton Davis invited David Hayes to appear at the show and to display his mount of the world record smallmouth. Knowing Mr. Hayes, as I, I knew him a little bit, I'm pretty certain <laughs> he was paid for this appearance. Yeah. In a November 1996 Bassmaster Magazine story by Colin Moore, Eldon Davis was quoted as saying, I came away from the show depressed. I was repeatedly told during the night by experienced fishermen that the D.L. Hayes smallmouth did not appear to weigh 11 pounds, 15 ounces. Many anglers that were there told me that they had 8 and 9 pound fish on the wall at home that were similar in size. Yeah, that, that's the kind of stuff you hear from fishermen all the time. Uh, Davis also claimed that he began hearing rumors that the Hayes fish was a fraud. Someone told Imagine him about it. Yeah, someone. <laughs> oh, it's a record fish, that, and, and there are rumors that it's a fraud? Oh, my God. Yeah, Call exactly. the authorities. Uh, uh, well, somebody told Davis that there was a document in the Salina, Tennessee office of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers that would show the nature of the hoax. Uh Davis would not say who told him about the document. Um, and although we tried, we were not able to reach Mr. Davis because we wanted him to appear on the Big Bass podcast with us. If yeah. you know Elton Davis, uh, we'd still like to talk to him. So when Davis went to the court office, someone was able to produce this 1955 affidavit from John H. Barlow that turned the record books upside down within a month. Barlow was a fishing guide on the lake and worked out at Cedar Hill uh, Resort at the time. Yeah, and John Barlow swore that he was working at Cedar Hill Resort on July 9th, 1955, when Hayes came in with his record smallmouth. Uh, but Barlow claimed the fish actually weighed 8 pounds, 15 ounces, not 11, 15. That's insane. Barlow's affidavit said that he was told by Cedar Hill's owner, Dick Roberts, and Barlow's own younger brother, Ira, to fix it up good. Fix it up good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Hayes isn't even present, you know, and, and they're going to fix this thing up good. So they claimed that they stuffed three pounds worth of but outboard Bar motor. Let's back up. Barlow claimed that, that he did it. John Barlow claimed that he did it yeah. at the instruction of Dick Roberts. Correct. Um, and and it, that he was instructed to stuff, you know, three pounds worth of outboard motor parts and lead sinkers into the big smallmouth so that when it was finished, it had gained exactly three pounds. 
All this was done outside the presence of the angler, David Hayes. I mean, he's out on the dock getting his boat filled with gas as these folks are supposedly, you know, loading the fish up with, uh, you know. Yeah, this is at the end of the day. (laughs) Hayes has called it a day at this point. He's done. The fish has already been weighed once at Wisdom Dock. Now he's back at his his home marina at Cedar Hill. And let's point out here, Terry, and and make very clear that no one has ever accused David Hayes of any wrongdoing about his fish. Uh, It was placed on scales at two different marinas, and Mm -hmm. Hayes was not present for either weighing. That may seem strange when we're talking about the biggest smallmouth bass of all time, but everyone involved seems to agree on that. Yeah, and then the discovery of this John Barlow affidavit after 40 years uh, by the Corps of Engineers stirs up a hornet's nest that is going to not turn out very good for, for Hayes at all. No, that, that affidavit was signed on August 17th, 1955, which would have been just 39 days after Hayes caught the fish. And in addition to saying that he had added three pounds of lead weights and lower unit motor parts to the fish, (laughs) John Barlow explained that he did not know doing this would rob someone of the world's record smallmouth bass. And I do not want to be a party to such a transaction. I call BS on that. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, But the the affidavit also had a cover letter uh, of the same date. It was from Raymond Barlow, the older brother of John Barlow, uh, Raymond was known as Doughbelly, uh, and he uh, was a deputy sheriff in the county and a fishing guide on the lake. Uh, and his letter read, and this is quoting, I am enclosing herewith an affidavit concerning the world record smallmouth bass that was caught at Dale Hollow Lake. I understood that your department was making an investigation of this matter. And, of course, this is at the Corps of Engineers' office, uh, yeah. and, and there was only one problem with the affidavit. The Corps of Engineers didn't have anything to do with record fish. They uh, didn't care about record fish, and they mm-hmm. were not conducting any sort of investigation. Yep. So, so they contacted Dobelly Barlow, who, as we said, was a deputy sheriff and had a reputation, by the way, for being pretty brutal. Uh, they returned the affidavit to him on the 19th of August, 1955, and they kept a copy of it in their files. And that's where it stayed for nearly 40 years until Eldon Davis invited David Hayes to bring his mounted bass to the Big Buck Show. And from there, he tracked down John Barlow, the guide who claimed to have stuffed the three pounds of weights into the fish. Barlow was still alive. He was nearly 80 years old and still living in Tennessee. More importantly, though, he stood by his statements in this affidavit. Uh, In particular, Barlow said that he weighed the fish for David Hayes and that it weighed 815. Uh, He said that Dick Roberts, the owner of the Marina Resort, came uh, to him with a handful of lead sinkers and told him to fix it up good. Barlow claimed that while his younger brother Ira Barlow held the bass, he stuffed the sinkers and the outboard motor parts uh, into its stomach. And then after doing that, he claimed he took a a bomber lure and pinned the fish's throat shut so that the weights wouldn't come out. With all the extra weight, the bass miraculously weighs exactly three pounds, 15 ounces, or excuse me, three pounds more than the 815 that it supposedly weighed, coming in at 1115. And then Ira put the fish in the marina freezer. Yeah, uh, John Barlow's affidavit claimed that Dick Roberts told him to come back in the morning and thaw the fish out 
and then take the weights out of it. So the next morning, John Barlow claims he came back and he had trouble getting the hooks from the bomber lure out of the fish's mouth. Said he had to use pliers to unhook it and in the process he ripped one of the hooks out of the bait. Now remember, I hope you saw our first episode, uh, when David Hayes told the story of how the bass had ripped the rear treble out of his bomber 609. He claimed he lost it that way. So after John Barlow says he fought with this hook and, and tore one out of the lure, he claimed he put the fish in a garbage can filled with water to thaw it out, and then he took the weights out of the fish. That's just crazy. You know, how would the same bomber lure that, I mean, Hayes didn't give him the bomber. He gave him the fish to go away. I mean, Hayes has got the bomber lure in his boat still. It's probably still attached to the rod that he was using. I mean, this is just, it, it, it's unbelievable. But anyway, so they have the affidavit in hand, and the man who signed it 40 years earlier is standing by the statements. Uh, Elvin, Elvin Davis had a story uh, that backed up his belief that the fish was a fraud. Uh, he asked Barlow to take a polygraph test, uh, test and Barlow agrees. Uh, all the questions were prepared by Davis, and according to him, Barlow passed. Yeah, and, and based on that information, uh, David Hayes' world record smallmouth bass was disqualified by the International Game Fish Association, the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, and the state of Kentucky which is where he actually caught the bass in Kentucky waters, the Kentucky portion of Dale Hollow Lake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, IGFA left the smallmouth bass category blank in their 1996 record book uh, because they, they had to figure out a fish to fill it. And there was two fish that they were looking at. The, there was a 10-14 that was caught by John Gorman in 69 and a 10-8 caught by Paul Beal. Uh, in 1986, and both those fish came from the Tennessee section of Dale Hollow. Uh, and then in 1997, both IGFA and the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame had certified uh, Gorman's fish at 1014 as the new record. Yeah, Gorman grabbed the top spot in the record book, but but Beale's catch, the 10-8 in 1986, might actually be a little more interesting. Uh, eventually, we want to tell the story of both of those fish on the Big Bass Podcast. For now, though, you might enjoy knowing that Paul Beale caught his bass at about 7.45 uh, on an April morning in 1986, then hauled it around on a chain stringer for several hours <laughs> after it was frozen and then delivered to a taxidermist weeks later. It still weighed 10 and a half pounds, measured 26 and a half inches long, and had a girth of 19 inches giving it very close to the same proportions as David Hayes' bass. Yep. If it had been weighed on certified scale sooner, it almost certainly would have weighed over 11 pounds. But because it wasn't, yep. John Gorman's fish from 1969 is generally recognized as the second biggest smallmouth bass of all time. Yeah, and that's the crazy, another crazy thing. You know, these folks are saying, oh, it doesn't have the frame. Hayes' fish doesn't have the frame of a, an 11 pound, 15 ounce fish. Yet here you've got a fish that is a half an inch uh, shorter in length. And what was that? Uh, probably a couple inches shorter in girth. A couple of inches shorter in girth. And you, this fish is pushing 11 pounds. I mean, it, 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 it's insane to think that, you know, that this fish does not have, 
you know, world record proportions with respect to being 11 pounds, 15 ounces. And, you know, last episode, uh, we ran a couple of numbers uh, in the, the IGFA 927 model and my, my uh, 958 model. And both of those models predicted that the haze fish was going to be over 13 pounds. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're nuts. So, anyway, let's get back to the IGFA and, and the Hall of Fame. Um, again, they both recognize the Gorman fish as a new rec uh, record holder, uh, and the people that make their living off of fishing at Dale Hollow Lake were still happy because all three of those top fish came from Dale Hollow. Uh, but Kentucky had a conundrum uh, on their hands. They didn't recognize a state record smallmouth before the Hayes fish in 55, so they didn't have a fallback position at all. Uh, in Kentucky, unlike Tennessee, uh, does not recognize fish as a state record unless it's caught in waters that are within the state. Uh, so because they didn't have a record prior to the haze fish, they had no record to fall back on at all. Uh, and the fact that the Gorman fish was caught in Tennessee left their, their you know, entry uh, blank. Uh, and so after they DQ'd the haze in, in January of 97, uh, Kentucky had really nothing. Uh, and so they went back and found a seven pound fish that was caught by, go ahead. I was gonna say, actually what they did was they announced, hey, we no longer have a smallmouth record because yeah. Kentucky didn't have anybody in the smallmouth record before haze. So they said, this category is vacant. Knock yourselves out. If you catch a big smallmouth, something over six yeah. pounds, <laughs> Tell us about it. We'll make it the new yeah. state record. And then a, more than a year later, the best fish they could produce was how big? Seven pounds. Caught Seven by John pounds. Stamper. Yeah. Uh, and he got it from Cannon Creek Lake in, in, in June of 97. Uh, I, I mean, Kentucky loses, you know, five pounds, you know, off of their state record in, in, in a year. It's, it's, you can't make this shit up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, what this says to me, Terry, that I think is, is interesting and kind of tragic on some level is this Kentucky situation reveals the problem whenever a giant fish holds a record for many years and then yep. gets disqualified. It happens, yep. folks. It happens, especially right here in the Hayes case. Uh, most of the anglers who caught fish just a little short of the record, they just dropped the ball. They think, oh, it's, it's not a record. It's a great fish. It's a fish of a lifetime. Maybe yep. I'll put it on the wall or whatever, get my picture taken. But they don't, they don't get them weighed on certified scales quickly. They don't get them in front of the proper authorities. And then when something happens to the, to the number one fish, they're out of luck. And they can't step in as the runner-up when Miss America cannot perform her duties. Yeah, exactly. So in the end, only Tennessee, which had multiple du double-digit smallmouth bass to choose from, in the Gorman yep. fish, the Beal fish, even a bass or two from Billy Westmoreland, uh, they decided well, the there whole... was a there was there was a ten that was caught out of uh, the Tennessee River. Uh, like I think it was you know below Wheeler or something like that. Maybe it was Wheeler Dam. That was nineteen fifty. Yeah. That was the Owen Smith fish, ten and a half. So it yeah. would have been it would have been a tie with Beal. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but all these all these organizations are are DQing the Hayes fish. IGFA, Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, uh, State of Kentucky, only Tennessee decided to keep the Hayes fish as the state record, despite uh -huh. the fact that it actually came from Kentucky. Yep. 
<laughs> Which, you know, I live in Tennessee now, so I can't, you know, cast bad shadows. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but the one name that keeps popping up in the story, but which is not involved in this entire controversy at all, is the man that held or holds the record, David Hayes. Uh, he, he caught the fish, but where was he when all this stuff was, the, the proverbial brown stuff hitting the oscillating rotor? I mean, where the <laughs> hell was he during all this? Well, he was nowhere, Terry, because he was completely <laughs> uninvolved in this, in this scandal and controversy and investigation. Because no one was, in, was accusing David Hayes of any wrongdoing, nobody seemed to believe that he needed to be contacted for the investigation. In fact, David Hayes didn't know anything about it until after his records with IGFA, the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, Kentucky, had been taken away from him. Here's David Hayes in 2010, uh, sitting in his Litchfield, Kentucky home and talking with me about that period in 1996. The off-screen voice you hear is mine. Now, Mr. Hayes, in, in about 1995, some guys came forward and they had found an old, a 40-year-old document claiming that uh, a fellow named uh, Barlow had put three pounds of weight in your fish, and, and uh, a lot of people took them at their word without ever checking with you. Without ever, and no, of course, nobody ever accused you of doing anything wrong. They said that when the fish was out of your presence and unbeknownst to you, that the fish had had three pounds of weights put in them, and the International Game Fish Association and some other organizations wound up taking away the world record status for a while. Uh, did anybody ever contact you before they did that? No, sir. No telephone call. No letter. I'll tell you how I found out about it. A fellow that worked for your organization called me. And uh, I will forget the conversation. He said, Mr. Hayes, are you the Hayes that caught the record smallmouth, Dale Holla? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you no longer hold a record. <laughs> that had to be quite a shock. Well, I think so. <laughs> you could tell it bothered him. Holy crap. The man held the world record for 40 years, and suddenly a group of people, without his knowledge, take it from him. I mean, it, 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 it's just in, in, insane, and he wasn't even able to defend himself. Uh, the IGFA, the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, his home state of Kentucky, did not give Hayes the courtesy to call him and, and tell him what was going on. He had to learn it from someone at Bass. Yeah, that call came from Colin Moore, who was the senior editor of Bassmaster Magazine at the time. Colin's a longtime outdoor writer, terrific guy. He was yep. editor-in-chief of uh, the, the FLW Magazine for quite a number of years. And uh, he wrote the story on the Hayes disqualification that ran in the November 1996 issue of Bassmaster Magazine. It's a terrific mm -hmm. article, but it's a sad story because of how everything had been handled. Exactly. And, Ken, I think we've uh, pretty much, you know, wrapped things up, you know, for this portion of the Big Bass podcast, David L. Hayes' world record fish. Um, we've taken him from the highest of the world record highs uh, to what has got to be the lowest of the world record lows. 
and, and probably one of the biggest indignities that has ever happened in the world of bass fishing, um, especially record fish. Uh, from here, it seems uh, that he has nowhere to go but up, uh, but we're going to save that for the next episode. We promise it's going to be a special episode too, folks, because uh, not only are we going to, uh, it's kind of the, the redemption of the Hayes record is our next episode, part three of this three-part series. And we're going to talk about uh, uh, exactly how Hayes got back in the record book. And I get to play kind of a lead role in that one because I, I was involved in that effort and, uh, and, and wrote the story that kind of uh, bullied or shamed some of these organizations into doing the right thing. Really, one organization, but because by the time that rolls around, uh, a couple of the other organizations had had changed their tune. Uh, but but for that one, we also have a, a very special ending to the show where we're going to let folks know something uh. that I think is is one of the best kept secrets in in the history of, of world records. I think there are some other people who must have known this, but uh, it's not going to be revealed until uh, our next episode on David Hayes, which is going to be number three of our three-part series. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time to slam the door on this episode of the Big Bass Podcast, but we're not slamming the door on David L. Hayes yet. we got one more piece to go. Um, please remember you know, to, to subscribe, like, share, give us a comment or a review. Your support really, really helps us. Uh, we're now at a... 1100 north of 1100 uh, subscribers and we appreciate oh, you know all that Terry, support you guys give us yeah Terry, by the time folks hear this we'll be over 200,000 subscribers so i hope so that's gonna be very <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna uh, look very very dated by the time yeah. some folks awesome. hear this uh don't forget to check out the website at the big bass podcast.com you're gonna find uh, our big bass podcast calculator uh our listings for the world record fish state record fish uh, supplementary material in the episodes. Again, it's a work in progress, but if you like the show, you'll love the, the, the website. Uh, if you want to contact us, our email addresses are ken at thebigbasspodcast.com, terry at thebigbasspodcast.com, and nathan at thebigbasspodcast.com. I'm Terry Batiste, and on behalf of my partners, Ken Duke and Nathan Denson, thank you for joining us. Be sure to check back next week. There, we're going to finish the story of the David Hayes world record. It's a story that you will not and cannot find anywhere else. And remember, size matters.